0: Section Six of Mind Amongst the Spindles, edited by Charles Knight. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. The Sugar Making Excursion. It was on a beautiful morning in the month of March, one of those mornings so exhilarating that they make even age and decrepitude long for a ramble. That friend H called to invite me to visit his sugar lot, as he called it, in company with the party which in the preceding summer, visited Moose Mountain upon the Whortleberry excursion. It was with the pleasure generally experienced in revisiting former scenes, in quest of novelty, and to revive impressions and friendships, that our party set out for this second visit to Moose Mountain. A pleasant sleigh-ride of four or five miles brought us safely to the domicile of friend H., who had reached home an hour previously, and was prepared to pilot us to his sugar-camp before we go said he you must one and all step within doors and warm your stomachs with some gingered cider we complied with his request and after a little social chat with mrs h who welcomed us with a cordiality not to be surpassed and expressed many a kind wish that we might spend the day agreeably we made for the sugar camp preceded by friend h who walked by the side of his sleigh which appeared to be well loaded and which he studied with the greatest care at every uneven place in the path. Arrived at the camp, we found two huge iron kettles suspended on a pole, which was supported by crotched stakes, driven in the ground, and each half full of boiling syrup. This was made by boiling down the sap, which was gathered from troughs that were placed under spouts, which were driven into rock maple trees, an incision being first made in the tree with an auger. Friend H. told us that it had taken more than two barrels of sap to make what syrup each kettle contained. A steady fire of oak bark was burning underneath the kettles, and the boys and girls, Friend H.'s sons and daughters, were busily engaged in stirring the syrup, replenishing the fire, etc. Abigail, the eldest daughter, went to her father's sleigh, and taking out a large runthlet, which might contain two or three gallons, poured the contents into a couple of pails this we perceived was milk and as she raised one of the pails to empty the contents into the kettles her father called out ho abigail hast thee strained the milk yes father said abigail well said friend h with a chuckle abigail understands what she is about as well as her mother would and i'll warrant hannah to make better maple syrup than any other woman in new england or in the whole united states and you will agree with me in that after the sugar is turned off and cooled abigail turned to her work and emptied her milk into the kettles and then stirred their contents well together and put some bark on the fire come jemima said henry l let us try to assist abigail a little and perhaps we shall learn to make sugar ourselves and who knows but what she will give us a gob to carry home as a specimen to show our friends and besides It is possible that we may have to make sugar ourselves at some time or other, and even if we do not, it will never do us any harm to know how the thing is done. Abigail furnished us each with a large brass scummer, and instructed us to take off the scum as it arose, and to put it into the pails. Henry called two others of our party to come and hold the pails. But tell me, Abigail, said Henry, with a roguish leer, was that milk really intended for whitening the sugar? yes said abigail with all the simplicity of a quakeress for they must know that the milk will all rise in a scum and with it every particle of dirt or dust which may have found its way into the kettles abigail made a second visit to her father's sleigh accompanied by her little brother and brought from thence a large tin baker and placed it before the fire her brother brought a peck measure two-thirds full of potatoes which abigail put into the baker and leaving them to their fate, returned to the sleigh, and with her brother's assistance carried several parcels, neatly done up in white napkins, into a little log hut of some fifteen feet square, with a shed roof made of slabs. We began to fancy that we were to have an Irish lunch. Henry took a sly peep into the hut when we first arrived, and he declared that there was nothing inside, save some squared logs, which were placed back against the walls, and which he supposed were intended for seats but he was mistaken in thinking that seats were every convenience which the building contained, as will presently be shown. Abigail and her brother had been absent something like half an hour, and friend H. had in the meantime busied himself in gathering sap and putting it in some barrels hard by. The kettles were clear from scum, and their contents were bubbling like soap. The fire was burning cheerfully, the company all chatting merrily, and a peep into the baker told that the potatoes were cooked. Abigail and her brother came, and taking up the baker, carried it inside the building, but soon returned and placed it again before the fire. Then she called to her father, who came and invited us to go and take dinner. We obeyed the summons, but how we were surprised, when we saw how neatly arranged was everything. The walls of the building were sealed around with boards, and side-tables fastened to them, which could be raised or let down at pleasure." but being pieces of boards fastened with leather hinges and a prop underneath. The tables were covered with napkins, white as the driven snow, and loaded with cold ham, neat's tongue, pickles, bread, applesauce, preserves, doughnuts, butter, cheese, and potatoes, without which a Yankee dinner is never complete. For beverage there was chocolate, which was made over a fire in the building, there being a rock chimney in one corner. Now, neighbors, said friend h if you will but seat yourself on these squared logs and put up with these rude accommodations you will do me a favour we might have had our dinner at the house but i thought that it would be a novelty and afford more amusement to have it in this little hut which i built to shelter us from what stormy weather we might have in the season of making sugar we arranged ourselves around the room and right merry we were for friend h s lively chat did not suffer us to be otherwise He recapitulated to us the manner of his life while a bachelor, the many bear fights which he had had, told us how many bears he had killed, how a she-bear denned in his rock dwelling the first winter after he commenced clearing his land, he having returned home to his father's to attend school, how, when he returned in the spring, he killed her two cubs, and afterwards the old bear, and made his hana a present of their skins to make a muff and tippet, also his courtship, marriage, etc., In the midst of dinner, Abigail came in with some hot mince-pies, which had been heating in the baker before the fire out of doors, and which said much in praise of Mrs. H.'s cookery. We had finished eating, and were chatting as merrily as might be, when one of the little boys called from without, "'Father, the sugar has grained.' We immediately went out, and found one of the boys stirring some sugar in a bowl to cool it, The fire was raked from beneath the kettles, and Abigail and her eldest brother were stirring their contents with all haste. Friend H. put a pole within the bale of one of the kettles, and raised it up, which enabled two of the company to take the other down, and having placed it in the snow, they assisted Friend H. to take down the other, and while we lent a helping hand to stir and cool the sugar, Friend H.'s children ate their dinners, cleared away the tables, put what fragments were left into their father's sleigh, together with the dinner dishes, tin baker, rundlet, and the pails of scum, which were to be carried home for the swine. A firkin was also put into the sleigh, and after the sugar was sufficiently cool, it was put into the firkin, and covered up with great care. After this we spent a short time promenading around the rock-maple grove, if leafless trees can be called a grove. A large sap-trough, which was very neatly made, struck my fancy, and friend H said he would make me a present of it for a cradle this afforded a subject of mirth. Friend H. said that we must not ridicule the idea of having sap troughs for cradles, for that was touching quality, as his eldest child had been rocked many an hour in a sap trough beneath the shade of a tree, while his wife sat beside it knitting, as he was hard by, hoeing corn. Soon we were on our way to friend H.'s house, which we all reached in safety, and where we spent an agreeable evening, eating maple sugar, apples beechnuts etc we also had tea about 8 o'clock which was accompanied by every desirable luxury after which we started for home as we were taking leave abigail made each of us a present of a cake of sugar which was cooled in a tin heart hi ho said henry l how lucky we have had an agreeable visit a bountiful feast have learned how to make sugar and have all got sweethearts we went home blessing our stars and the hospitality of our quaker friends i cannot close without telling the reader that the sugar which was that day made was nearly as white as loaf sugar and tasted much better jemima End of section six.